0: Hey there, this is Own Your Unique Words, a podcast for gutsy authors who want to level up their fiction and increase their sales. I'm Janina Polito, multi-published best-selling author, Wordtastic editor, fearless marketing strategist, and CEO of Uncommon Universes Press. In other words, I do all the things, and I want to pass on that joy to you with proven tricks to grow your fiction business without burning out. Remember, every time you subscribe, an otter gets a skateboard, and the world definitely needs more otters with skateboards. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 19 of Own Your Unique Words with Janina Polito. And if you're joining me for the first time, I am so psyched to have you here. And if you're a repeat listener, I am so glad to have you back. I super appreciate your listening support. And I always appreciate ratings and reviews and shares. So if you want to give me a shout out about this episode on Apple, iTunes, or on Spotify, or etc. Or if you're like, wow, I need to share this on social media so that other people get all the awesome, please go ahead and do that. The more the merrier. I'm all about helping authors own their unique words and elevate their businesses. Now, personal updates. My NaNoWriMo group, also called 30 Day Word Transformation, is in full swing. We're having fantastic time learning, growing together. I'm doing live weekly video trainings, and they get the replays, and they're getting so much awesome secret sauce. I'm super excited about this. And uh, if you're thinking, wow, I wish I had joined that, or I hope she does that in the future, again, leave a shout out because I am really enjoying getting to go back and getting to be in the teaching field again and so this will probably influence some future things that I do as offerings. Also, Wishing Against the House, the Steel City Genie 3 is launching November 29th and it is getting proofread right now and it is a beautiful thing and my launch team is coming together and I'm so excited about that and I can't wait to get this out into the world. (sighs) So that is a fantastic thing there and last but not least, This is a recording that is being made on November 10th of 2021. So as of this recording, Black Friday specials for 2021 were on their way. And so if you're listening to this in the vicinity of that date, keep an eye out for my Black Friday specials. I have some cool exclusive packages that are only going to be available during that time. I have some fun, budget-friendly bundles for social media help that are going to be showing up then. And it's just a great time to bless people and such. And also, if you know that you might not have the money for it, but you know someone who's buying you Christmas presents, it's a great time for them to scoop up something for you. So just an idea for that. And moving on, this is your episode action tip. When you can't write, obsess about your book. Now, <laughs> not literally, there are actually more important things in the world like family and making sure bills are paid and, you know, eating, and sleeping and in my case, my Christian faith, all of that is more important than obsessing about a book. But when you can't write, so when you have a day where you planned to write, but it didn't really work out because, you know, everything turned into a hot mess, or you're in a time period where there's, you know, certain days you just know you can't write, instead of going, Ugh, I can't write, like, what do I will I do with my life? I'm a loser, only losers don't write, and you know, instead of falling into the depths of despair <laughs> Let yourself play around with your story while you're doing other things. Problem solve plot areas. Imagine fun scenes with the characters. Consider new marketing ideas. If you're from a faith background, pray over your story. Okay? I I do a lot of praying over my my own stories because I believe God cares about those things and I can use them to bring him glory. So, you know, spend that time enjoying and looking forward to your story and looking forward to your next writing session. All of this not only helps you to keep in a solid creative space, but it also trains your mind to keep going. Writing a book and editing a book and all of that is a marathon and not a sprint. So when you have those downtimes or those rest times or etc, use that time well to rejuvenate yourself, to refresh yourself, and to think about the next steps so that you're ready to take those steps when the time comes. I promise you, This is a difference between authors who consistently write books and authors who don't, and especially those authors who consistently write books and are selling them and connecting with people. So that is your episode action tip. Let yourself think about your story, enjoy your story, celebrate your story to yourself, even when you can't actively be writing it. And today's episode features a special interview with guest author and editor Katie Phillips of Katie Phillips Creative, and we're talking about adding on author services to your business. Should you do it? How should you do it? Are there any consequences for doing it? How to do it well? You will not want to miss this episode, so make sure you stay tuned. Hey there, Epic Authors. So I am super excited to have Katie Phillips here from Katie Phillips Creative for a special guest interview today about best practices for adding author services to your book biz. Because I know this is something that a fair amount of authors either do or think about doing, especially in the fiction realm. And Katie has loads of helpful tips on this, including what it's like to try to continue this when your life goes crazy and it's a hot mess, because if your life isn't there already, it probably will be there sometime in the future. And just to introduce you to Katie Littlemore, she is a developmental editor, as well as a writing, branding, and business coach for women authors of young adult science fiction and fantasy looking to take their career to the next level. Her clients include multiple award winners and finalists and have gone on to sign book deals, find agents, and profitably self-publish. She helped found indie publishing house Crosshair Press, which is now Uncommon Universe's press that I run, and she they did a great job with that. And she's now an instructor with Author Conservatory, which is a writing program that offers a nice alternative to going to college for four years and realizing that all of that literature and stuff you learned is great, but doesn't actually help you write or sell fiction books. Uh, she also was an ASA Editor of the Year finalist. So she has done many things, including she's actually uh, co-written a book that has been published and received positive reviews there as well. So Katie, I am super glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. That's going to be fantastic. All right. So <laughs> listeners, one of the main goals of this episode, besides having a great time showing off Katie's awesomeness and hanging out together, is to give you a bit of straight talk about writing businesses versus book businesses. because. We often see authors, you know, every author and their brother going, oh, I'll just add on this couple of extra things. I'll just put my shingle out here without really thinking it through what it's like to actually do author services, especially in the fiction book industry, which is different. And I will call out people right now um, who may have said, oh, well, I'm a nonfiction expert, but I can totally help you with the fiction industry. Unless they actually have demonstrable success, they can't because it works completely differently. I have studied it for a number of years and I've talked to other fiction experts It works differently. It is weird. Katie has done biz mentoring. I've done biz mentoring. We know how this stuff runs. And we just want to make sure that you're giving, you know, what you're getting into with this instead of just kind of tossing things out there and hoping something works. So that is kind of a thing that you do sometimes as well. So going forward with that, one part of this show is that it sets apart. Writing as a business. So if you're here listening to own your unique words, hopefully you are trying to take this a bit more seriously. Katie, you've run an author services business for years and you were involved in founding Crosshair Press. How did all of this come about? Did you like start out as like a bright-eyed 18-year-old saying, I'm gonna do this for the rest <laughs> of my life? Or, you know, how did that work?
1: Um, I actually didn't really have becoming an editor on the brain, even though it was something that I Enjoyed and definitely wasn't thinking about branding or business or anything along those lines. I started out in journalism and I worked in communications overseas for several years uh, while I was also writing books and doing things in the fiction side of things as well. But I kind of came to the point where I realized that I needed to pick a lane between really focusing on serving authors and doing editing. And really focusing on publishing books and looking to forward my career in that direction. So, starting Crosshair Press with Amy Williams, um, she writes under AC Williams, and several of our other writing friends, we ended up getting together and deciding to form Crosshair Press, which is an indie publishing house. And so, I did some of the marketing strategy for them and also did all of the edits on their initial projects. And so that was a really good experience for me. I discovered that I really loved working with authors and and just the whole process of helping that story take shape. And so that's when I kind of decided to launch out on my own and pursue helping authors both with marketing and
0: branding and also with editing. And of course... As things so happened, you moved on from Crosshair Press. Crosshair Press actually ended up merging with Uncommon Universes Press, which I run, and Amy is still involved with that. And we keep in touch with Katie, too. Oh, yes. (laughs) Because she has all the smarts there as well. And, you know, we're kind of a family there. Mm -hmm. But it's just really interesting to see how, you know, you got into it from a completely sort of different angle, an unexpected angle just through doing a press And then realized, hey, this is something I really like doing on my own. Now, with that being said, what are some of the the challenges of running an author services business? And again, we're specifically focusing here on fiction author services.
1: Yeah, well, I definitely feel like I I kind of learned a lot of these the hard way because I came into it not having any sort of background in business. Um, I had been in the industry for about five years, um, five to six years at that point, and had a book published. But I didn't really think about my audience specifically enough. And there's a lot of a lot of aspects of the industry that are very different from kind of as you mentioned earlier. They're very different mm-hmm. from sort of conventional understanding of how marketing, branding, um, and platform building works. So. There's definitely a massive learning curve um, both in terms of getting to know your industry, making the connections to be able to be profitable, understanding how to present your services in a way that people are going to be able to relate to, managing the people side of things, you know, helping authors kind of work through getting their first feedback. That can be a pretty tough Mm -hmm, situation, mm -hmm. um, and so that that requires a lot more, shall I say people skills or finesse than I ever <laughs> <laughs> than I ever thought thought about. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, when I when I first started or or planned to run my business. And so those those are all things that can be challenging. Um, you just have to accept risk and rejection as part of it. There's Mm -hmm. not everything is going to work not everyone is going to love what you do. And that can be a pretty tough pill to swallow, especially if it's Mm -hmm. not something you have experience with before.
0: Yep. And I want to just uh, highlight one thing that you said there as well, is that the clients you're working with in the fiction industry are different than any other industry. So a lot of times in nonfiction and technical writing in maybe editing theses or doing nonfiction books, you're working with people who are probably a little more left-brained or at least know they have to meet a certain standard. And so Mm -hmm. you know, okay, I have to edit this and I have to correct the typos or I have to get it ready for this thesis or I have to cut this word count down. or you're working with a business person who is creating this book for a very specific purpose. Whereas a lot of times fiction authors, and I'll say the same thing for me maybe for you, sometimes when they're especially beginners, they come in not really being sure what their book is doing or Mm -hmm. how it works, or where it's going, they come in very (laughs) right-brained. And so having to communicate very technical things in some cases, in an area where a lot of people are relying on their right-brained, creative area, which is you know, can be very sensitive and can shut down. Um, And I'm not saying this to criticize. I have the same issues. It's part of the weird wiggleness of working in the fiction world is that you're having to use your right brain so much and then think about it so technically. And that is a challenge that you don't see in many other industries except maybe visual arts.
1: It's kind of the weird thing about especially doing developmental editing, which is my specialty mm-hmm. because it's so story and character centric, um, looking at mm-hmm. mobile building, looking at magic systems. And these are all things that come out of authors imaginations, right? So it's something that's very personal to them. Often mm-hmm. I work with, especially when I'm working with first time authors, it's a story they've been working on for, you know, five, 10 years. Right, yeah. yeah. And so it, it's something that they're very emotionally attached to and rightly so. <laughs> Uh, but there comes a point when you reach the editing stage, uh, when you reach the point of thinking about it in terms of your readers and how is this going to speak to my readers and what is the message you know that it's conveying. It's a very different way of thinking, and so a big part of what I do, both with helping people learn how to brand themselves and also helping them think about their stories, is just a mindset shift of mm-hmm. sort of setting aside their their preconceived notions or the emotions around the way the story is and helping mm-hmm. them be able to see what it could be and how it can have an impact on their readers. So it becomes bigger than them and sort of their idea of maybe how the story was.
0: Mm-hmm. And that is a crucial transition. And as you get more books under your belt, it gets easier. And you know, if you're working with in a good program with a good editor and a good team, you can develop a process for it. But I will never say it gets completely easy just because you do have to use so much of your right brain (laughs) to get it out there in the first place. And so that shift between, okay, I wrote this thing, you know, I have to make it all pretty and understandable for someone else. It's always a bit of a mission there.
1: Yeah. And I think that having one of the challenges of running an author business is that you have to understand your craft well enough to be able to explain why you're making the suggestions that you're making. Mm -hmm. And to be able to offer solutions. Uh, I always try and offer multiple solutions or different options for for ways of, of fixing problems that have come up. And that's a very different thing from looking at a story and going, okay, this doesn't feel right, or I like it, but it doesn't feel amazing. Really being able to identify what's not working and how to fix it requires a much sort of higher level of understanding of how craft and story works.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so as a side thing here, if you are considering going into this business in any capacity, but where we, we're mostly talking about editing right now, but in any capacity, niching down to knowing exactly what genres or people you're working with is a huge help. And I know at the start, you're like, well, I need to take on whoever will hire me because I need money or want to help people and no one knows about that. And we've all been there. Or we had just kind of take on clients to figure out what we were doing. Not that we didn't give those clients good work but you also need to make money at the start respect for that. But the more that you can niche down and sort of specialize in knowing what you're good at, the easier it's going to be to deliver consistent quality work to clients. That's going to actually help them and elevate their book.
1: I think that also helps when you have an understanding of your particular genre within the industry, then you Mm -hmm. know what tropes are expected, what kind of the requirements of the genre are. So Mm -hmm it really, really helps when you're when you're working with authors and you have become more specialized because mm-hmm. you have a better understanding of the requirements of the genre and what needs to be in, in the book that you're working with.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Now, what is it like to run a business while also writing books yourself? It definitely looks a bit crazy
1: for me, especially right now in the season that I'm in. Um, I have a little baby at home who actually was, she came three months early and she was in um, the NICU for four months. So Mm. this year has definitely looked different than I expected um, in terms of both my writing schedule and having to quickly pivot with my business and delegate different tasks and things like that. And thankfully I have a wonderful team that, that helps me with that. But really, I think in order to be able to write books while also doing business, and in my case, being a mom and kind of juggling all of those things, part of it is just taking advantage of those little snippets of time that you have. Um, I'm actually Mm -hmm. working on three different projects at the moment. I'm revising a YA fantasy novel, and I am in the final stages of drafting co-authored novel that's a sequel to the one that was published. And then I also have a romantic suspense novella um, that I'm about halfway Mm -hmm. through that I'm developing and drafting at the moment. So a lot of the writing that I'm doing right now is in little bits and pieces of time. So maybe I'm sitting and feeding the baby and I have Google Docs open on my phone and I'm Mm
0: -hmm.
1: typing notes to myself or typing out a scene or I have ideas for different conversations characters are going to have or different ways I could solve plot problems that I'm kind of thinking through as I'm Mm -hmm. going through different tasks throughout my day
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and part of that is just being intentional with the time that you do have because Mm -hmm. we are all we are all busy no matter what life stage or season you're in and (laughs) being intentional with that time really goes a long way and progress may be slower and that's okay I knew when I focused on the editing and and author services part of business, I knew that that was going to mean a slower writing process for me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that I didn't overstretch myself.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's important, Uh, especially one thing I loved how what you said was how you just did things little bits and pieces or you you thought about it. And I've been speaking towards that in my NaNoWriMo group about how even if you can't write that day, because sometimes you just can't, don't mentally give up hope on what you're doing. You know, let yourself think through problems. Let yourself think, okay, next time I sit down, I'm going to do this. Always keep yourself focused on how you're going to move forward with your stories or, you know, write things on sticky notes when you can or something like that. Don't let yourself get into a place where it's like, oh, I haven't written for three days or I didn't hit this word count or these things and I'm doomed (laughs) because that's when you stop going. And it's a marathon, not a sprint. So every step forward always counts. Even if yeah. it just proves to you that, hey, that step didn't quite work, we're going to do a different one.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think that goes for both writing books and also working in author services, because it's mm-hmm. not something that happens overnight. And I think a lot of times when, you know, authors are, are thinking, oh, let's, you know, add some author services to help bring in some income. And that's perfectly legitimate. Uh, but it's it's not a an overnight success type of thing. I. Did my business part-time and then work retail for about two years before going full-time. I've Mm -hmm. been in my current business. um, It's been about five years. But it is something that you can be successful at. But you do have to really persevere and be intentional and be willing to learn and grow and make mistakes and learn from those Mm -hmm. mistakes. It's not Mm -hmm. something that you can just... Wake up one day and decide you're going to do and be, you know, immediately successful at it. As with any mm-hmm. anything that new thing that you're learning to do and and trying to do
0: well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's definitely something to just be a good caution to authors who are considering adding on different revenue streams. And now, if you're the kind of person that says, "I'm just going to do what I want, maybe I won't sell anything, I don't care." you do you, you know, I I can't literally stop you from doing that. But I really, you know, the same way I say, check yourself about your goals for your books, check yourself about your goals for your author services. If you're saying out loud, I don't care, I'm just going to do this and see what happens. But deep down inside, you really want to have some success, then you're going to have that disappointment. And it's going to be more difficult. And, you know, you may say, oh, well, no one can sell on this thing because I didn't. You know, Be honest with yourself, with your goals and your expectations there, and then gear yourself up to walk that long road rather than just sort of putting a shingle out there and completely, you know, not thinking about it. I'm not saying you can't, but we are about intentionality on this show. (laughs) All right. Now, what are some realities authors need to accept about adding author services onto their book writing? And I think you actually pointed a good one out at the start, which is it is challenging to run author services full stream ahead and then to run or to write books full stream ahead. I know people who can do it, but they don't get very much sleep. So you might, (laughs) one thing I'm gonna throw out there is you need to decide which area you're going to focus on. And you might say, wow, Janine, you have like 16 different publications out. Obviously you're doing both like full steam ahead. I'm actually not for where I am and what I could do. If I went full steam ahead with book writing, I could probably do about four or five books a year. But my brain is much happier when I'm problem solving for others and elevating them. That, And I made a choice way back when I started my author services that even though I could do a lot of books a year, that wasn't going to motivate me the same way. And I just didn't want to. I was much happier working with other authors. I was much happier teaching. I have eight years of experience in teaching, so I love doing that. And so I chose to step back from doing that and Getting one or two books out a year, which for me is far less than I probably could be doing if I wasn't doing author services, which I really enjoy. So that's definitely one thing that you can think about in terms of the reality. You know, are you going to do this full time? You know, where is your main attention going to go as far as that? What are some other thoughts you have, Katie?
1: I think one thing that's really important to remember is that you have limited capacity. There's only Uh so much of you to go around and especially one of my goals with my business is that I built a business that was sustainable, that mm-hmm. met the needs of my family, that served me and my family mm-hmm. and not me serving my business. And that also was was a blessing to other authors. And for me, that meant making sure I had the capacity to really serve authors in the way that, that felt good to me. Mm-hmm. And it felt like I was, mm-hmm. was hearing them and being able to meet their needs and really minister to them. And that takes time. And mm-hmm. building a business takes time. And it takes more time than you think it will. Always, everything. It always takes more time than you always. think. It's to do. Yes. And so I think one one thing that I'd say is is this reality that it's going to take more time than you think it will, both in terms of it may take longer to see the growth you want mm-hmm. than you expected. And it may take more time, especially in the beginning setup stages than you expected. And so really think carefully about what are the resources that you have in your life and what kind of life season you're in? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What demands do you have on your time? Uh, What are your priorities? This is something I always come back to when I'm doing my yearly planning, when I'm setting my goals, all these kind of things. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What are my main priorities? What are my top three priorities for this quarter? What are my top three priorities for this month, this week, all the way down? Because that really will help clarify things and help keep you from from burning out mm-hmm. and so it's it's a really important reality to accept and embrace and see as valuable because accepting your limitations means mm-hmm. that then you are able to really focus on doing the most important things well
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. And I I really love how you bring that up because it can be really easy if you're the kind of author who gets into shiny object syndrome, that same shiny object object that says, oh, I can do all these books also says, oh, I can do all these services. And we're not just limited in terms of what we can do with time-wise. I mean, usually by the four, like Thursdays, my brain is shot and I have to try to figure out how to keep it going because your brain is a muscle and you can really wear it out. But also, what are the things you're really good at? Mm-hmm. And, and being honest about that and not just focusing down for the sake of marketing, which is it is helpful to focus down for the sake of marketing because you, you can speak directly to certain authors writing a certain genre. But also, you know, what what are you really good at? Like, if you try things out and you're like, wow, developmental editing isn't for me. Can you be humble about that and either take courses on it or decide that you're going to focus on line editing or decide you're going to focus on, you know, proofreading to start with or things like that or If, you know, making sure that you're being honest with yourself about what you can actually offer authors that is going to move them forward. And that can be pretty humbling as well, or realizing that, hey, I do need to work better at communicating with authors, which is something that I I had a lot of experience about with as a teacher and having to communicate with students and parents, but having to communicate in different ways over time. Text and over email is a whole other skill set versus getting to talk to someone face to face. And when you're doing online work, you're doing things over email. And so you have to learn a whole new skill set of how you're going to phrase things and communicate things when people can't hear your tone of voice. They can't see you smiling at them while you're saying the hard things. What are you going to do about that? So factoring you know, your own personality and all of those things in, because those things aren't going to go away just because you decide to do this. You, know, you can't suddenly say, well, I can just suddenly make myself warm and fuzzy or I can suddenly make myself an expert in marketing, even though I don't really know what I'm doing and can't really evaluate it. You know, you be honest with where your capabilities are. You can always learn more, but don't offer things that you can't deliver.
1: Yeah, so many great points there. And I think one of the things that you touched on really stuck out to me, and that is really allowing yourself not only to embrace what you're good at, but to embrace what you're not good at. Mm -hmm. For a long time, I felt like kind of inferior as an editor because I love the developmental side of things, but I absolutely despise proofreading and (laughs) doing that sort of detail work. And that's what most people think of when they think of an editor. Oh, you're fixing grammar. Mm -hmm. And I can do those things. Um, I have a lot of experience doing them, especially with when I worked for newspapers and things like that. But mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't light me up it doesn't energize me and so that was something that i I had to kind of come to terms with that that this is what I'm good at I'm good at doing the story work I'm good at doing the character arcs I'm good at mm-hmm. helping an author think through their ideas um, and find the heart of their story
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so that really helps me to to niche down and embrace my strengths and to let mm-hmm. go of things that weren't a good fit for me and that were draining my energy
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also, I mean, I, I understand, agree with that too. When I started out, I did offer proofreading because I could do it. So I, I was a teacher, you know, I'm constantly checking papers for grammar, but as I leaned into it, my capacity for it simply wasn't that great. I could, I can't do it that fast. I took it off my list and I can copy at it and I love to copy at it. But when it comes to catching those last typos, there be, there were so many things I'd rather be doing at that point. And I didn't like the burden of that because I'm, I can be detail oriented, but it's not my absolute strength. I'm like, you know what? We don't need to offer this right now. (laughs) And I don't need to be like terrified that I'm going to send something to a client and miss a typo because it's just not where my zone of genius is. And so don't be afraid of doing that. And also like, don't be afraid to want to work with a certain kind of client. Um, Katie, you Mm -hmm. mentioned she works with women clients who write young adults, science fiction or fantasy and the beauty of that is, is that you can then target that and for me I decided um I love the marketing angle of everything if you haven't figured that out from this show and so even though I'd get a lot of authors coming to me with like their heart projects that they never really wanted to publish or this thing or that thing I'm like you know what I only want to work with authors who want a market focus on their work who are, are really interested in that part of it and who are who are driven Do more with that. And if they don't have that passion for the marketing side of it, you know, we're not going to be the best fit. And that was, you know, hard at first because like, oh, well, am I being being mean? Am I being cold hearted? Why don't I appreciate people who just want to be artists about it? I'm like, you know what, they're great and (laughs) they can work with someone who's... (laughs) who's not, who, who can appreciate that about them. And I can use the marketing side of things to work with people who really want to, you know, set up those funnels and make those quote graphics and put themselves out there that way. So, you know, lean into those strengths.
1: Yeah. And that kind of goes back to understanding your your audience and, and your ideal clients, which is essential to doing well in your business. And, you know, for me, I work with a lot of authors that are sort of transitioning from writing as a hobby into writing as a career and what Mm -hmm. that looks like and and so beginning to build their platform and and to think strategically about their writing career. And it's a very specific kind of transition stage. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I discovered early on when I was developing my business is how my personality fits into my business strategy. Mm. Um, and I know that you un- you will understand and appreciate this, Janine, because I am actually quite an introverted personality. I love mm-hmm. people. I'm not particularly shy. But having multiple conversations with, um, you know, with, with clients every day that aren't necessarily people that I will talk to again is not something that's energizing for me. Mm-hmm. And I discovered that very quickly. Uh, I prefer, I really excel when I'm able to, to go deeper and work with someone for a longer period of time which is mm-hmm. one reason why I developed my five-month internship courses and kind of structured my business around this opportunity to create community with the authors that I work with and to kind of work with them over a longer period of time and mm-hmm. to do my coaching in that way as well. And so mm-hmm. that is, that's just something that I want to say as well is be realistic about your personality and what's,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what's going to be sustainable for you and what's, what's not
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is such a good thing to point out because my personality is is different than Katie's. But the one thing we have in common in some respects is that I'm a pretty borderline introvert extrovert, and so I probably come across as more outgoing in some cases, but it wears me out a lot. And I like to create systems and products that people can use individually, and so that's something that I do a lot with the one on one stuff, and I love that. But it, even my husband spoke into my heart, and he's like, you know, you need to like start making products and things people can use without you being there. <laughs> <laughs> because you you're getting yourself worn out from this. And it's, you know, you're not serving as many people as you want to serve. Because again, I'm used to teaching like big classrooms. And so just working with one on one was wonderful, but I also wanted to just keep going bigger. But trying to figure out how to do that was a challenge. And so, you know, don't be afraid to get creative about that as well. Are there any signs that an author should just stick with their book career rather than adding on an author services aspect?
1: This is a great question. And I think one when- thing that I would say, as far as this goes is, if you really dislike marketing, this is not the career <laughs> path for you. <laughs> oh,
0: absolutely not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which may sound obvious, but I've, I've talked to a lot of authors who, who don't, who aren't interested in marketing, who, who don't really, you know, have any desire to learn business strategies or branding strategies and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they're having trouble selling their books or making money, being profitable mm-hmm. on the author side of their career. And so I think a lot of times there's this mentality that comes up of, okay, well, I'm having trouble, you know, making my author business profitable. So I will offer author services instead. And that's, you know, how I can use my interest in writing to to, uh, to make money instead. Oh, boy. As I, as I kind of mentioned, this is problematic because if you, if you aren't able to sell your books and don't have an interest in marketing, you're going to find it even more difficult to sell your author services because the same mm-hmm. principles of understanding your audience and meeting a need in your audience applies. It's just mm-hmm. even more work because you're running a business um, mm-hmm. at, on a larger scale.
0: And another thing is that when you're selling author services, you're almost always selling your services at a higher price point than your books. Because I'm guessing you're not charging $30 a book. And if you're even starting out as a very baby author services person, you're going to be charging at minimum $20 to $30 an hour for coaching. And of course, people charge way more than that. I charge more than that. Katie charges more for that. We have specialized things because we've been doing this for a while. But the point is, if you can't sell a $5 ebook, then how much harder is it going to be for you to sell a 20 or 30 or $50 coaching session or an edit that's hundreds of dollars, you know, how much harder is that going to be for your brain if you can't sell a $5 book? So, you know, definitely, you definitely have to be comfortable with people paying you money and with you offering them value for paying you money because you're going to be doing that and building those relationships a lot more as an author services provider.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Another thing to consider that I touched on earlier is time management and capacity. Mm-hmm. Do you actually have time to invest in making an author service business successful? If you're already feeling stretched if you're already feeling overwhelmed with trying to keep up with things with the book side of your business, with your family obligations, with, you know, your day job or or whatever that looks like for you, then adding something else on may not be the best fit for you or it may not be the right life stage for you.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one the final thing I would say for this is make sure that you have a passion for actually elevating authors. And I know you're like, well, Janine, maybe I just thought this would be kind of fun and I like words and, you know, I want to help people and I think I could do it. And that that's great. And I'm not trying to spit on your humility or your small dreams of maybe helping a few authors here and there, But words are powerful things, and these are stories that are going to impact lives, that have impacted the lives of the authors who are writing them. So take that seriously and have a passion and a goal for how you're going to uplift them. You know, why is this important to you? What stage do you hope to see the author at after they've worked with you? And that's not just a matter of, oh, I want to have them get a result because then they'll pay me for it, but also, you know have a passion to see them grow, have a passion to see them at that next stage and and do some deep thinking about what you want to do to contribute to that.
1: I love that, Janine, because it is such a key integral part. You have to love it. You have to love your authors. And you can ask any of my clients that I work with, but Mm -hmm. I do it because I love it. I do it Mm -hmm. because I love stories. I love getting to see that light bulb come on and mm-hmm. being able to see authors grow from the very beginnings and, and have wonderful and amazing success. One of the very first clients that I worked on, the very first edits I did um, last year, she won Book of the Year at Realm Makers Yay. and it was amazing. And so just be committed to taking seriously the gift that authors are giving you. I don't take it for granted that people are trusting me with their heart story and investing hundreds, thousands of dollars in my programs, in my edits. Mm-hmm. That is something that that in weighs on me, but in a good way, in mm-hmm. the sense of I really do it because I care and I love what I do. And if you don't yeah. have that passion for it, and if you aren't invested in other people's success, then it's not it's not for you.
0: Yeah, and it's harder to market yourself because you come up, you know, like you're on stage saying, "Hire me," uh, to to make things go better and do and do better. <laughs> so the more that you have that passion, the more it's easier to also show up and say, "I can actually do something for you." And a last thing I'll tag in here, and this is a little known thing, but as I've worked with some different author service providers on the side, if you have books out there that you have published self self published or had professionally published through a publishing house make sure that those books are good. Make sure the covers look good and make sure that the, in, like the story itself is good. Because you would be surprised how many potential clients will actually say, oh, this person has written books. Oh, they're saying they can help me hit a genre, but that cover doesn't look like any genre I've ever seen. <laughs> or they'll read your book. And, and I've had this happen. I tell them they don't have to do this. But I've had clients say, oh, yeah, I wanted to, wanted to know if I was going to hire you. So I read one of your books. And I'm like, it's not even a genre you like. I didn't, you didn't have to do that. But they wanted to read it to judge that I knew how to tell a story. And that may not quite seem, quote unquote, fair, But it's going to happen regardless. They're going to, you know, if you have books out there, they're going to kick the tires, so to speak, of your books. So if you're going into this and you say, wow, I have some books that I need to fix up, try to unpublish those or otherwise, you know, (laughs) fix them up. Because like it or not, some clients or potential clients will judge you based on that because they probably don't know you that well. And so this is a way to get to know you better.
1: Yeah. And it definitely is something that if you're going to do it, do it well.
0: Mm -hmm, Take the time to mm -hmm. do it.
1: Do it professionally, have Mm -hmm. a professional website, understand Mm -hmm. what it is that you're offering and being able to deliver on that. Whether that's a big part of that for me was getting coaching myself on Mm -hmm. branding and business and sort of that side of things where I didn't have as much experience. But it's, it's something that if you really want to make a difference and help other authors to succeed, you need to be willing to give them your A game.
0: Mm-hmm. And and just for that, like me and me and Katie have both done different coaching programs and things like that. When we mention, oh, we mentor authors, we coach authors. It is not out of a sense of you know, oh, we're too good for that ourselves. She's done numerous programs. I've done different branding programs and things. We are students of this as well as experts who teach others because these fields are always changing and you have to keep up on those things. So you're getting a vibe from this that says, oh, they're you know, they want me to spend all this money on them or other programs we have done that too and seen results. <laughs> Absolutely. Alrighty. So just to wrap this up, what are one or two rewards of running an author services business? And I know you mentioned this previously, Katie, but just shout out there. What are one two one or two things that make you go, wow, despite everything, I love my job.
1: <laughs> despite tax season, I love my job.
0: Oh no, <laughs> you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: no. One of the things that I love about my job is, that I get to get up every day, and do something that I love. Mm-hmm. I sit on the couch in my yoga pants and <laughs> <laughs> and edit my know, edit books, <laughs> and talk to authors about their stories and encourage them. And that's absolutely priceless. I love mm-hmm. getting getting edits back, reading books that my clients, you know, have after they've gone back and, and done revisions mm-hmm. and just seeing tremendous improvement in that particular book and in also in subsequent books as well. I mm-hmm. love to celebrate the success um, of, of other authors. and know that, that I played, you know, a big part in that, a big role in that, mm-hmm. in, in helping them launch their careers. And that's incredibly special to be able to help other people to achieve their dreams, just like I have. Mm-hmm. And so I love the aspect of it. And from a practical standpoint, I love that it gives me the flexibility to be present in the way that, that I'm needed in this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many times kind of over the last few months of being in and out of the hospital and, you know, all of these things happening, I have just been so grateful for mm-hmm. my amazing clients who have sent gifts, who have sent encouragement, who have been mm-hmm. so wonderfully flexible um, when I had to, to change some things around scheduling-wise. Mm -hmm. And so being able to work with people I love and do what I love is just so invaluable. And I really value and appreciate the fact that I can make a living doing what I love and that it also meets the needs of my family in a way that a traditional job wouldn't.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally get that. One of the reasons I stepped down from uh, my full-time teaching work to do author services things, and to be fair, I started building up my author services business during my last year of teaching, I do not recommend doing that unless you have to, because I probably really didn't sleep that year, but <laughs> it was the responsible thing to make sure I had some clients lined up when I went When I went and decided I'm going to do this full-time. But it's been a blessing because my husband has a really crazy schedule with being a full-time missionary and such. So I can like take my work on the road with him because we're very much like a partner team thing. We love to work together. So I can go places and do things and work different places around different schedules. Um, and that flexibility was huge for us. Because as a teacher at a traditional school, you have no flexibility. Your life is owned by the school nine months out of a year. Mm -hmm. And also, whenever I wake up, I'm like, I get to work with stories. Like, how cool is that? I get to, like, help all these books get better. I get to, to work with stories. And that's just the dream to get to, like, dive into this amazing field and to... To encourage people and to see them grow is as you mentioned, Katie, and to just do cool stuff with books. I mean, it's so cool. So and they're always
1: Yeah. I was just saying, I laugh at my weird life sometimes because here I am in Starbucks, you know, on the phone with the (laughs) with the person discussing very seriously, you know, how long it would take a dragon to fly, like the specific Uh distance, you know, (laughs) and what are the logistics of this? For the, whatever, you know, book I'm working on. And I just sort of mm-hmm. wonder what the people sitting around me in Starbucks and their businesses are thinking.
0: But not only that, but the whole thing of, yes, I I, I literally, before I started right up this podcast episode was on the couch in my yoga pants, <laughs> <laughs> wrapped in a blanket and hard at work on my next client at it. And that, you know, it's like, you know what? This is pretty nice. This is pretty nice.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: All right. Now, a random question for you, Katie. So listeners, she has no idea what I'm asking her here. If your current work in progress, and you can choose which one, but if your current work in progress were an ice cream flavor, what would it taste like?
1: Ooh, vanilla with chunks of cherries and dark chocolate. Oh, wow.
0: Okay. So why that flavor?
1: (laughs) (laughs) um so I went with I because I have several works in progress um mm-hmm. I I went with my uh fairy tale retelling that I'm working on th- at the moment which is mm-hmm. Asian inspired and um it's a beauty and the beast retelling in kind of an Asian type of setting and so cherry blossoms are something that is a visual that's very much a part of of Japanese culture which is part of my inspiration and and, and also shows up in the setting in my story world so the cherry aspect of it. And it, I love really kind of rich, deep world building and prose, mm-hmm. um, which makes me think of dark chocolate, mm-hmm. but you also have kind of that vanilla aspect. That's like the classic that's always good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Where you have this classic story and classic sort of concept with some, some different things added in. So mm-hmm. there you go. There's my <laughs> psychoanalysis of
0: my ice cream flavor. <laughs> Yay! Good job. All right. And now it's brag time. So shamelessly talk about your latest release or service or offer and give listeners a link to follow.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So I actually have quite a bit going on at the moment. I am in Mm -hmm. the process of booking my edits for next year. So Mm -hmm. I I do developmental and then my fabulous associate editor, Lauren Hildebrand, Mm -hmm. uh, does line edits for me. So I'll be having some really sweet editing deals coming up with Black Friday.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then because it's nano this month, I'm also doing half price manuscript consults, which is one of kind of the foundational um, pieces of my coaching. Mm-hmm. It's looking at the manuscript for big picture issues. I look over mm-hmm. an outline in the first three pages and help kind of troubleshoot that and work through any any potential issues before you sort of get to the drafting stage or before you turn it in for a full edit so Mm -hmm. those are some those are some things that i have going on right now and yeah
0: yep so definitely especially if you're a female ya author of young adult science fiction and fantasy (laughs) (laughs) uh definitely look katie up for those things um not that we're being discriminatory towards guys she just knows her audience here. If you're a guy wants to talk about that, you can always work with me because I work with both genders, but that's her niche and she does amazing at it. So if you're looking for that, make sure to look her up and click the link that is going to be below this episode on my website and probably some other places if I can manage that. But regardless, mm-hmm. Katie does awesome things and you should definitely keep tabs on her in a loving, amazing, non-creepy or stalkery way. So Katie... <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was fantastic having you here. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And thanks for hanging out with me, Epic Author. Don't forget to click the subscribe button on Apple, follow on Spotify or other channels, follow Own Your Unique Words on Instagram, and sign up for my email newsletter to get more fun tips and tricks first. Now go forth and be awesome.